All right, this is where we're supposed to be. And see, the bad news is, is you guys just got bonus material because the recording doesn't start until this slide comes up. So all that awesome preaching you guys just heard, that was just for you only. Just for you only. Hallelujah. To recap, though, so the people <laughs> listening later can understand is that we looked at last week that we do have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And we're trying to answer the question, how is it that... God could restore all of humanity, all of mankind, through one man in the person of Jesus Christ. Because we know that Jesus took our place on the cross. He took the penalty for us. He paid the price for us. And like I said, chapter 5 is actually going to begin to answer this question. And how he's gonna, Paul's going to do this is he's going to begin just to, to explain the contrast between Adam, right? I asked, is it fair that, that we, we receive the, uh, that we have to be held accountable for Adam's failure. So we're going to contrast Adam and one man who bestowed failure upon on all of mankind with Jesus, who is one man who restored mankind to the position that Adam was before he screwed up. So the contrast that we're going to see is that Adam is actually given dominion over all of creation. You guys remember that in the book of Genesis? God said that you have dominion over all of creation. But what happens? Adam goes ahead and, and messes up. He sins. He's disobedient. And he ends up losing his kingdom. And we know that now because who's the king of this world? Satan is now the king of this world. It should have been man, but now Satan is the king of this world. We lost our kingdom. And because of this sin, now also all of mankind is under condemnation and death. Before Adam, there was no death. And we're going to look at this a little bit, a little bit later, but it, it amazes me that before Adam, there was no death. You think we got a resource problem now? Imagine if nobody ever died. But this is going to be contrasted with Jesus, who came to be a king over a new creation, over a new kingdom. And through his obedience even to the point of death on the cross he brings righteousness and reconciliation so adam brought death and condemnation and in contrast jesus is going to bring righteousness and reconciliation and life and he's going to justify us before god and bring us peace we saw that last week but not did, did not only did jesus rectify all the stuff that adam sin brought on he rectified death, he rectified condemnation, but he also accomplished so much more. Do you guys remember last week you kept seeing the phrase, but much more, when it talked about Jesus? We're going to see some more of that today, some more of that, but much more did Jesus accomplish? Because Romans 9-11 through 11 is last week that has all the much mores we want to review, but the reality is, is that not only are we just reconciled, how many of that would be a good thing if we were reconciled, if we were made right with God? That would be a good thing, but much more, Jesus gives us life. And life abundantly. And life eternally. There is a reality that sin came into the world through Adam. And all of mankind has since that day been condemned to die under the bondage of sin, under the bondage of death. We were unable to make ourselves right with God and we we're unable to be justified. Although we all recognize that there's a deficiency. That's why there's so many religions because man is trying to find some way to make himself right with God. The difference is every other religion talks about how man is going to work his way up to God. But Christianity is the only one where God came down to us. But through Adam, sin entered the human race, the entirety of the human race. No one was, was accepted from this. And we ask the question, is this fair? Is this fair? Should God hold us accountable for the actions of others? 
Now the dad in me wants to say, life isn't fair, suck it up. But the reality is, is that, yeah, I'm torn with how I answer this one because on one hand, you want to make the argument that it is fair because it's a good thing that it happened the way it happened. But the truth is, if we really boil it down, it's not fair, but we got the good end of the deal. Amen. So let's go to our first slide in Romans 5, 12. It says, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all sin. So we all know the story, right? You guys all know the story of Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve we're, uh, we're going ahead and we've heard that since we were in Bible school when we were younger. Even people that aren't Christians know the story of Adam and Eve. And Eve is tempted by the devil to do the one thing in all creation that they were not supposed to do. The one thing. Can you imagine if, if you woke up and, and, and you were told you can do anything in the world except for this one thing? How amazing that would be? Because we got a much bigger laundry list of, of things that we're not supposed to be doing. One thing. One job. You ever seen the memes? They have one job. Adam and Eve had one job. Not to eat from the fruit. Or the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But the devil begins to tempt her. And he tells her that, no, the reason why God doesn't want you to eat from this is because you'll become like Him. You'll become like God. It's amazing to me, you see all of these uh, men throughout creation who have aspirations to essentially become of God. You see movies made about it all the time. I don't think people realize how big of shoes they're trying to fill. There is, there is some downsides to being God. You see, the devil made her think that she was missing what seemed like the greatest thing in the world. And we know the end of the story, it wasn't the greatest thing in the world, because the truth is, is that God was protecting us from that. Because in that knowledge of good and evil lay death and destruction. God was protecting us. You see, God could handle that knowledge without becoming corrupted or becoming broken, but mankind, when they took on that knowledge, they ended up putting themselves in a situation that they couldn't get themselves out of. And contrary to popular belief, it wasn't Eve that doomed all of mankind. Matter of fact, if you read the Scripture, it's a bad thing that she did it, but mankind wasn't doomed until Adam ate from the fruit. It was Adam that messed things up. For all the guys that want to put the blame on Eve. It was Adam that ended up passing on sin through his seed to the rest of mankind. And from this point forward, man would be born broken, perverted by sin and death. And not only mankind, it wasn't just mankind that was broken in this action. We actually find out that all of creation, the entire world, was broken in this one act of disobedience by Adam. In Romans eight nineteen through 21 it says, For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of Him who subjected it, speaking of Adam, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Even, and we're going to read about this later when we get to chapter 9, but even all of creation waits eagerly for the return of Christ so that everything can be restored to the way that it was, so that the final enemy, death, can be placed under His feet, so that it can be destroyed, and, and, and the earth will be recreated. But the, the earth is groaning. If you guys ever wonder why we're seeing more and more natural disasters, the, the world kind of falling apart, I believe that's what it is. The sin is having its way in this earth. And we're seeing it fall apart. 
bit by bit. Did you guys know that we weren't even supposed to know about evil? Man was never supposed to deal with evil. Man was never supposed to, to, to interact with evil. We weren't even supposed to have a knowledge of it. Not even supposed to have a knowledge of it. We were supposed to live without sin. We were designed and created to live without death, without sickness, without destruction. That's how God made us to live. But then Adam had to listen to his woman. But as the saying goes, you can't unscramble an egg. We can't roll back time. We can't change what has already happened. It is what it is. So where do we go forward from here? Adam sinned. Death is now passed down from generation to generation because all have sinned. That's what the Scripture says. So death spread to all men. Why? Because all sinned. How can Paul be so certain about this that all have sinned? That's a pretty bold statement, not knowing everybody, but saying all have sinned. But the reality is, is because we are born broken. This is a pretty safe bet to make. We are born broken. We are born into bondage to sin. Paul's going to say later, I knew what was right, but sin had its way in me. I didn't have a choice. Sin had its way in me. And if you don't believe this, you have to understand this is why we don't have to teach kids to lie. You don't have to teach kids to be mean. You don't have to teach people to be selfish. We do it naturally. We're born broken. And even if you want to do good, unfortunately, sin does have its way in you. Amen? As we go on to verse 13 through 14, it says, For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given. But sin is not counted where there is no law, yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose, whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. So the question is, how do we know that we're actually all born broken? What is the evidence? How, how do we know that mankind itself is actually tied to the disobedience of Adam? Because that's right, that's the question that always goes through. That seems to be unfair. How can you hold me accountable for somebody else's actions? So Paul begins to walk through the argument. How can we show that we actually are tied to Adam's sin? So we know that the sin was in the world before the law was given. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, right? So we know that from the law was given through Moses, which was about 2,500 years after Adam. So for 2,500 years, there was no law, but there was death. So in your notes, write that down, 2,500 years, no law, but there was death. But then he also says, but sin is not counted when there is no law. So what does he mean by that? We talked about this last week, if you recall. But basically, it goes like this. If your kid does something that you don't want them to do, but they don't know that they're allowed to do it, you've never told them that they're not allowed to do it, you would be kind of an awful person to hold them accountable for that thing. If you were to, to ground them for the month because they did something you didn't want them to do, but they never knew they weren't supposed to do it, then, then it wouldn't be right. Because it can't be counted against them if they didn't know, if there was no plumb line already set, if there was no standard already set, if they didn't know that they weren't supposed to do it. So we can't hold them accountable. You can't at least not justifiably hold them accountable. And that's what he says here. Sin is not counted where there is no law. Does it mean that there's no sin? No. There was sin since Adam, all the way since, since Adam, that first act of disobedience, all have sinned since then. But sin is not counted 
until the law came. That's what Paul is saying here. But we have something that is still a reality. Death reigned from Adam to Moses. So we know what's the wages of sin. Death. We know death is the result of sin. But these wages aren't earned at this time because there was no law to break. There was no, the, the, the wages that they were supposed to be earning by sinning, there's no law to break, so the wages aren't being earned. So death isn't actually a result of individual sin, is what Paul is trying to explain. Because if this is the case, if, if before the law there was still death, if before the law we still have guys sinning, we still have death, there has to be uh, the reality we're taught our entire lives cause and effect, right? If something is happening, effect is happening, there is some cause along the way. And in this case, the effect is death. People are still dying, but they're not racking up the wages of sin because there is no law to break. But death is still happening. So we should see a cause. What is the cause? If it's not their own personal sin, what is the cause? And the answer is the actions of Adam Adam, in disobedience are still affecting us. That's why it affects us today. That's why the 2,500 years when there was no law, people were still dying. When Adam sinned, he died. And as a result, all of mankind has died since. We've died as well. The reality is, is that men don't die as a result of their own individual sins. If you want to see more evidence of that, ask yourself, why do babies die? There are plenty of babies who die in the womb. It would have been impossible for them to sin of their own. So why are they still experiencing death if it was a result of their own individual sins? It's because the reality is, is in Adam, all have sinned. In Adam, all have died. Actually, in verse 12, when we were just looking a second ago, when we were talking about how could Paul know that all have sinned, he wasn't actually speaking of individual sin. The reality is is that as a result of this brokenness, all have individual sins. But that's not what Paul was saying. What Paul was saying is that we have all sinned in Adam's sin. By being a human, by being part of mankind, you are tied to the sin that Adam sinned, the disobedience that Adam had. You were tied to that. That's why there was still death before the law came. And the end result of this is that we all actually sin as a result of this condition. We're all broken. We're born that way. And we have the evidence that that's where it comes from. We go to the, the next one in verse... Did I just do that? Oh, that was like perfect timing. She must have saw me hit the button. This thing is still broken. I need to buy a new one. So I have my, my manual slide turner back there. It says, but the free gift is not like the trespass. Romans 15. The free gift is not like the trespass. For, trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God. And the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin, for the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. So even though that we know that, that Adam and Jesus, the two of them parallel each other in the sense that one man... Uh, one man causes an effect on all others. The reality is, is that even though they parallel each other in that manner, there's also some pretty big contrast as well to what happened. 
we see that the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, we know that what Adam did brought death to the many. He says that through one man's trespass, much more we have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. So what Adam did, he brought death and destruction to the many, but what Jesus did accomplished life for the many. And we also see that much more phrase again. Much more. Much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for the many. Do you guys know, if you read the Scriptures, you should know that the bodies of the dead are going to be resurrected in Christ. And that's a good thing. That alone, the body is restored to life. Forgiveness being made, reconciliation being made, men are righteous. That actually restores mankind to the position that Adam held. But it doesn't just stop there because the much more part is that we get life and life abundantly for eternity. We're not just brought back to the starting point, but He gives us so much more for all of eternity. Through Jesus, we have abundant and eternal life. And then it doesn't stop there because we have another contrast. Go back to verse 16. It says, And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin, for the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. So we first saw that Adam's trespass brought death, but now that we see that Adam's trespass brought judgment and condemnation. But in contrast to that, what Jesus accomplished was righteousness and justification. It essentially removed that condemnation that was placed on us because of what Adam had done. That's why the Scripture says that that, uh, if they're not in Christ, they've already been condemned. But if you are in Christ, you pass out of condemnation. You're not judged. What Jesus did removed the condemnation from our life. It removed judgment from our life. Adam's one act of disobedience caused many to live in sin, fear, and brokenness and then ultimately die. But Christ came to justify all of those who were in sin, who were in fear, who were in brokenness. And He ultimately gives us eternal life if they receive that free gift by placing their trust, by placing their faith in Him. You know, we talk about our things fair and we're going to go into it more in a minute, but the reality is, is that it's not our individual sins that bring us death. It's not our individual sins that cause condemnation. It's not our individual sins that send you to hell. But because of that, it doesn't mean our individual acts of goodness can get us in. It doesn't mean you can make up for it on the other side. And one thing that when we talk about this that I always want to be clear on, just because your individual sin does not does not put you in hell. It's your faith in Christ that, 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 that brings you to heaven to be with God. It doesn't mean that we're to live in sin. It doesn't mean that it's okay. We're still called to live holy. The whole point of, of Jesus coming is He sets you free from all that garbage that you were stuck in before. Amen? Let's go on to verse 17. Romans 5.17 says, For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more, there it is again, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. This is the answer to that question. Why did God allow one man's sin to affect the many? 
Why did God allow for one man's sin to affect the many? Why do we have to wonder, is this fair? We ask, why can't we just live for ourselves? Why don't we just give our own account for our own sins? There have been so many who have said that. Why? I don't get why it's right that I should be held accountable for some guy who lived thousands and thousands of years ago. Why can't I just stand before God and say, look how I lived. Isn't this good enough? Why can't we just give an account for our own sins? But the thing that I would ask people that have that question is, do you really want to get what you deserve? Nobody that has ever lived on this earth is not messed up. We have all sinned. And as we know, the wages of sin is death. The require, it's not the requirement of, of if your sins don't outweigh your good deeds, if there's, a, if there's a balance, then it requires death. No, one sin, one thing, one time that you ever messed up, one time you were disobedient to your parents, one time you told a lie, one time you, you, did, you did any of those things that were considered sin. You see, that's the thing about mercy. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. You know, so many of us, we live our lives and we, we, we think about wanting to get what we deserve. You know, you go to work every day of your life and you work hard and you do the right things and you're outperforming your coworkers and you think, I deserve this raise, but somebody else gets it. And we wonder, why aren't we getting what we deserve? And man, I look at my life and I'm so glad that there were so many times I didn't get what I deserved. This is a good thing that you don't get what you deserve. I don't think people realize when they, when they want to stand before God with their, with their own sins and their own accountability what they are actually attempting to stand there with. And then that's where the grace of God steps in because not only do we not get what we deserve, we get so much that we don't. We're made clean. Not only do we not get punished, but we're made clean. That's removed from us. We're made free. We're forgiven. We're given life. And that's not something that we deserve. We didn't do anything to earn that. So is it fair? This is where I, I'm always confused. How do I ask the question? How do I answer this question? In one way, yeah, I think not only is it fair, but we also see that what God did was extremely wise and it was extremely generous. If God would have tested each person individually, the result would have been the same. Disobedience, sin, and failure. If every person was tested individually, every person would not measure up. But however, because the actions, through the actions of one man, one man all mankind was condemned, God made it possible to redeem all of mankind through the actions of one man as well. So like I said, if you think about it, it's actually... Not fair. But that's a good thing. Because if God had made it fair, we would get what we deserve. We were given a far better portion even if we didn't deserve it. God went out of His way to make us right with Him. God went out of His way to rectify all those broken things. God went out of His way. Even though man is the one that messed up, God went out of His way to make sure that we could be brought back. And because of through one man, 
all men were condemned. That means that all men can be justified and redeemed through one man as well. In Romans 5, 20 through 21, it says, oh, sorry, 18 through 19. You were right. I got swipe happy on my praise God. Romans 5, 18 through 19 says, Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. That's what we were just talking about. But that's what I love about God's plan of salvation because it is so, if you think about it, it really is so beautiful in what He accomplished. One man sinned. And if there was anybody else around, they would always say, no, let him be accountable to his own sin. I don't want to be part of it. But in God's infinite wisdom, he decided to hold the entire human race, the entirety of mankind, generation to generation, responsible for that one man's sin. And that's why that one trespass led to the condemnation for all men. But because of this, one man's righteousness, Jesus, leads to all of us being justified. And not even just those that came after Jesus, but those that came before Jesus as well. One man was disobedient and we were all made sinners. That's why I talk about, when, when we talk about being a sinner, being a sinner is an identity. It's not a result of what you do. You're not a sinner because you sin. You're a sinner because you're born that way. It's an identity of who you are. And that's why we talk about when you get saved, you're not a saint because of the miracles and things that you've accomplished. You're a saint because it's an identity bestowed upon you by the one who paid for it all. By one man's obedience, we were all made righteous. God made us whole in His power, not ours, without compromising who He is. That's amazing to me. That's, that's how Christianity is different than every other religion. Every other religion is about men trying to get right with God. Christianity is about God making men right with Him by His power. And He didn't just do it like the, you know, the, the simple way if you think about it. Well, how does God deal with sin? He could just wipe it away. He could just ignore it. But if he did that, he would no longer be God because one of the characteristics of God is that he is just. One of the characteristics of God is that he is righteous. That is ingrained in who he is. If he's not just, if he's not righteous, he's no longer God. So how do you deal with sin and remain just and righteous? He did it by paying the penalty for himself. He still required the penalty of sin. He still required death, but instead He stepped off of His throne and He paid that penalty for us. So that we could be... He, he made us clean. He gave us a new life and He never compromised who He was. And He didn't just band-aid the problem. He didn't just deal with sin, but He dealt with what was broken inside of us so that we could actually live without sin. That's amazing to me. The fact that before you couldn't live without sinning, but today, Christians, we can live without sinning. I believe that 100%. In Jude 1.24, my, my favorite Scripture says, now to Him who is able to keep you from stumbling. That is just a great news. I want to live without stumbling. I never want to sin. I never want to mess up again. And I know that it's possible in Him if I would just keep my eyes always on Him. Now I realize that it's likely that we still may sin. But the Scripture also says that we have an advocate in Jesus Christ when we do mess up. It's not over if we mess up. 
But man, the idea that I can live without sin makes me excited. And it's because of what Christ did in us. He didn't just wipe our sins away, but He made us brand new. He freed us from all of those things. And then in verse 20-21, through 21, He goes on, Now the law came to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Did you guys know that grace has always been God's plan? From day one, grace has been God's plan. Adam and Eve were dealt with with grace. And we think about, are you sure? That seemed pretty harsh. He kicked them out of the garden. But if you look at the story and you know why God kicked them out of the garden of Eden, it was so that they couldn't eat from the tree of life and remain permanently in the place that they were. Even then, grace was being enacted as He sent them out of the garden and set the angels to protect it so they couldn't get in there so that His plan of salvation would one day come into effect. He always dealt with the nation of Israel with grace. And He still does to this day. And He always deals with us with grace. And even the law, which the Scripture says came to increase the trespass by setting the bar, didn't come to replace grace. The law never came to replace grace. You know what the law actually did? Just made it clear how much we need. His grace. Because we can never say, I can get by without it. Because the law just proves that we can't. And the amazing thing is, is that as a result of the law, our sin increased because we realize, you know, most of the things are, are ingrained, right? You know, every culture, every nation, they all know you shouldn't kill, you shouldn't murder. We all have a sense of you shouldn't steal. But the 10th commandment is thou shalt not covet. Paul in his writing says, how would I even known that coveting was a sin if the law didn't tell me that? Sin actually, the trespass increased when the law came because we realized how bad off we really were. But at the same time, by recognizing how bad off we really were, grace increased all the more because it doesn't matter how bad off we really were. Grace still covers it. Grace still takes care of it. Our bodies as Christians, are subject to death still until Jesus comes back and defeats the final enemy. Our bodies are subject to death. And if we're not careful, I'm sure we've all experienced it to some extent. The old man tries to creep back in. You're tempted with stuff from your past and memories and you try to fall back into those old things. And if we don't keep our eyes on Christ, it'll try to creep back in. But the reality is, is that in Jesus that we can reign in life. Grace reigns through righteousness leading to eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. We're born into Adam by nature of being a part of the human race. There's nothing we can do about that. If you're born as a human into this world, you're born into Adam. And we don't have a choice, but we don't have to stay there. That's where the choice comes in. We can choose to trust in Jesus and be born again. That's why the Scripture says that man is born of water and then he's born of the Spirit. We're born of water through natural birth into Adam, but then we're born again in the Spirit of Jesus Christ and we're made brand new. We can choose to trust Him instead of staying right where we were. And when we trust in Him and we're born again, we are then in Christ. No longer in Adam, we are in Christ with grace reigning in our life instead of sin. Amen? Hallelujah.
Let's go ahead and bow our heads.